Hour. My name is Sean Johnson. We're coming at you from Studio Easy Peasy, and it's Friday night in America. We've got a great episode for you coming at you this week. But first of all, it's a happy hour, so we got to introduce the Mitch. Mitch, we love you. We're so happy to have you on here as our second guest ever on our normal episodes. Mitch Sullivan. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's his pleasure. <laughs> it's his pleasure. So it's a Friday night in America, everybody. So if you've got a warm beverage, a cold beverage, or whatever beverage, crack them with us a right now. A boiling beer on the stove. Get it ready. It's Let's happy crack hour. Woo! Cheers. Cheers, everybody. You moths. You moths. Once it hits your lips, it tastes so good. So happy to be with you guys. Thank you for all the awesome texts and feedback that we've gotten from episode five. Sticky memories. That was a really fun one for Lydia and I to record. And just talk about things that are like evergreen. We can we can do a part two, part three, part four. You know, it's just a really fun topic to revisit and talk about memories that had made us. So thank you to everybody that reached out. You can always reach out at seananlydia at gmail.com to send any of your questions or whatever. If you know us personally, send a text or reach out at seananlydiahh on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and Twitter. So this week, we got a good one for you. It's fun. We're going to be talking about travel. We're going to be talking about travel. And so to kick us off, as always, with a little bit of history behind the human experience with traveling, Lid. Yeah, you know, I always got to hit you guys with the facts first before we get into our own personal experiences. I, I certainly try at least. And as I was researching travel, I just have to disclaim this with this is pretty whitewashed very whitewashed <laughs> the history that I was reading, which isn't so much of it. So anyway, this is kind of the white people's history of traveling. That's just the disclaimer. So I was just trying to get a little bit more information. Like why did people first start traveling? When do historians believe that people did first start traveling? And wouldn't you know it, the Romans, again, shocking, big shocker there. Am I right? And it was old wealthy Romans traveling on the roads that the Romans built. And they were going to their villas to vacation and leisure by the beach. (laughs) So um, this is you know, popularly known as at least from the Western perspective of people first kind of traveling for leisure just to like get away and relax, right? Nice. Um, And the Romans made it easier because obviously they're very famous for the roads that they built all throughout uh, uh, Europe and Asia. So people could get there a lot easier. And anyway, some people accredit them as being some of the first people to travel for cultural reasons after the villa part but i just again i kind of i kind of find that a little bit hard to believe i think that's very whitewashed a whitewashed perspective but anyway moving into the middle ages what's going on in the middle ages okay christianity catholicism blah 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 all over the goddamn place you know what i mean it was it was rampant it was a disease all over the land no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it's fine if you're christian that, that's cool no big deal in the middle ages pilgrimages become a thing. So these are things that people, these are uh, journeys, if you will, that people rich or poor are going on. So if you're rich, you might be taking a boat to go on this pilgrimage to a a sacred place with uh, where a saint may have been, right? So people are traveling through Europe to go to a destination where uh, they may have a relic from Jesus Christ 
dying on the cross, for example, or you may be going to a sacred spot where a saint that the Catholic Church regards as a as a saintly person. Okay, you're going to visit where maybe they did X, Y, or Z. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. So it's almost like us going to a festival, or, some, or like it's like the the old age of that, right? Yeah, it's. I suppose it's kind of yeah. like that. I suppose going back to a festival that you love could be regarded as a religious experience. So travel, at this point, people say travel is not no longer just for the rich, right? So people are traveling by foot, as I said, or they could be traveling, if they're wealthy, they could be traveling by a carriage or by boat to get there faster. And as I said, anywhere that's like dedicated to a saint. And then the 17th century, you see more travel of young aristocrats and they're traveling for education. And when I read this, it kind of reminded me of people in college who, and not not everyone who does this is like wealthy, but I just mean kind of more for the privileged, if you will, that you can like go abroad, you know, and study and that kind of thing. It kind of reminded me of that. So in the 17th century, that kind of picks up as a mode of travel. So young aristocrats are traveling around the world and oftentimes bringing their servants and bringing their educators to show them, this is this, this is that, this is this is the blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And one like cool little fact is that young Peter the Great of Russia traveled all through Europe and he loved Amsterdam and the Dutch cities so much that people say that the city of Petersburg is obviously who, what he he helped to build back in Russia is very inspired by cities in Dutch cities and Amsterdam as well. So like he traveled as a young man and then he came back and ruled Russia and he built this, this city that was inspired by Amsterdam and the Dutch people. So kind of cool. Um, and then moving forward to the mid 19th century, that's when rail r- railways became a thing. And basically from then on out, you just have a free for all of travel that just expedited the 19th century railway railways came about, which really opened up travel to people of all classes, low, middle, upper class. Everyone was traveling by railways and it, things became a lot more accessible. And essentially from there, it just exponentially increased to where we are today. But you yeah. know, traveling by plane, traveling by boat, wherever we want, it was just a blip like that. So for example, before, before having modern transportation it would take around a year to trans to travel from amsterdam to indonesia and today it'd be less than a day wow yeah just kind of a cool perspective yeah think about traveling on foot and on on horseback the rapid pace of increased like level of travel is is crazy because it is it, it changes the way people travel whereas you know hundreds of years ago even a hundred years ago traveling a few states over before in America specifically mm-hmm. before the the freeway system uh traveling on little local highways if you wanted to go across the country via car it would take forever yeah. it would be an insane little journey for you, you and your those family big or whoever Cadillacs, else those big cars yeah. like ugh. and wasn't the american you would maybe know more about this than i do Mitch but wasn't the american highway system the interstate system really created because of our world wars yeah because it would be it was so hard for us to get tanks across the nation should we have to defend this nation and so that was kind of the inspiration 
So anyway, more war, please. More war. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Am I right, though? That's I, I, World I, I, War I, I think, One or World I think War II? Right. I think you're right. It was a defense mechanism to say, Born like... Born in war. That's we, what's yeah. going to spark the great expansion of technology. We all got to kill and we all got to not. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that intro, Lydia. As always, you took 12 minutes to write that because you're so book smart and street smart. But you're book smart as hell, and I, <laughs> I love you to death. Mostly street smart. <laughs> so the main crux of this conversation that I'd love to bring toward you guys, and thank you for playing at home. We really appreciate you again. But we want to talk about our own personal travels, but don't worry. We're going to steer clear of talking about festivals and why we'd go somewhere for a festival. We're going to talk mainly about going somewhere for see family or for the culture or growing up those, those family road trips or those other trips that you took on an Amtrak or, you know, there's so many modes of transportation and we really want to just talk about like some of our key moments, key favorite times traveling across the U S or the world. Yeah, so I don't know where you want to start, but where is the furthest away from home that you, either of you guys, have ever been? I want Mitch to start on this one. Uh, I guess probably by mileage, the furthest away from home I've ever been is uh, the Philippines, uh, where I went to visit my dad's wife's family. I didn't know you went there. Yeah, yeah. So I know you've been to. You, so was it in Manila? The isn't yeah, that like the capital? Manila is the capital. Okay. We. Uh, How old were you? I like I was an adult at this point. Um, wow. We so like forty five or. Yep, probably like 50, 60 years old. I can't remember. Uh, no, I was in my mid twenties probably, and we made a big sort of family trip. My sister and I, and my dad and his wife to. Manila to meet her family. So and your dad and his wife from she's from Philippines. Where yeah. they were already married. Yeah, yeah. Where did they get married? They've been then? married. So they they met in Hong Kong when they both lived there, and then they got married in uh, New England. Uh, Jeez. Pro, I, yeah, it was. I don't know. It's how a worldly many years ago. couple. Yeah. So they've 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 been around, but we. L had already actually met them maybe, but I had not met her family at all. So they had uh, a, a, just a planned trip to go back to Manila. And they said like, hey, why don't we make this the one where we all go together? And L and I made uh, uh, the the trip from, I was at this point, yeah, still in Des Moines. I think L was living in San Francisco and we flew to i think probably tokyo and then l and i met up there and then we flew from tokyo down to the philippines did you get to stay in tokyo at all or it was just nope. like a layover we, just a layover we were just Damn. there for a few hours yeah. <laughs> you didn't even go bummer. play a little arcade outside or what <laughs> we we went down to the philippines and then it was a crazy it was like the most aggressively abrupt trip that maybe that i've ever made in my life we Flew into Manila, stayed for like one night in a hotel there, drove up the next morning into <laughs> the mountains north of Manila, had this like big family barbecue where I got to meet all of all of Sherry Ann's family. And then Oh, that's that, awesome though. <laughs> like that evening drove back down into Manila, stayed that night there, woke up at like just oh dark hundred 
flew to Hong Kong. Oh, Jesus. And then spent like a little bit of time in Hong Kong, seeing some friends of ours that we had some family friends in Hong Kong. It was just, but it was like such a frenetic trip that it was like probably the furthest trip I've ever made, but it was like, and it was fun and it was memorable, but it was sort of miserable. Because oh, you we wish were, you could have stayed longer. We, yeah, How long was like, total travel time then for that kind of a trip? From, so yeah, from Des Moines to Manila. I don't know. It was insane. I mean, flying from the Midwest to, yeah, just, just Asia is going to be so you probably 14 to 15 hours. So you flew from Des Moines Airport? Yeah, from Des Moines, wow. connected to, I don't remember if I connected to O'Hare or to Denver, and then to, uh, on the way there, we, we flew into Tokyo and then down to Manila, and then on the way back, obviously, we flew into Hong Kong, and then maybe on the way back again, I don't know if we flew into So let's San talk about the what. culture, though. Let me talk, let me hear the culture of the Philippines, the culture of China, the, the culture those places you've been. The, the Philippines, I have minimal experience with. I've only okay. been there once, but I've known my, my stepmother for a while, and uh, I've had, you know, some experience at, at a distance with her family, and their their culture is sort of inspiring because they are so incredibly family oriented and connected and like just deeply 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 emotionally in love with each other they're all so dedicated to each other that it is it is inspiring it is inspiring to witness I, every time i go over to my dad's house sherry ann uh who i'm probably gonna at some point start calling no no because that's her familial nickname is she's just on the phone on on you know, a video call with her family. They're constantly in contact. I bet she misses them so much. Yeah, and I think this is probably in large part because they have, uh, uh, their economy is not, is not great. They have a deep culture of, of going, sending, sending family members overseas and then working and sending money back home. And Sean has experienced this to some extent because he helped me send what they call a Balak Bayan box and it is a a huge huge crate of stuff that they essentially send home they'll just buy tons of stuff every month and send it home to their family and there's an interesting disconnect where instead of sending just more money they send money home but instead of sending more money they send also a buy it's like christmas every month essentially yeah, yeah. where there's they're so sending cool. a huge just lump crate of crap we're talking like <laughs> everybody playing at home we're talking about like a, almost like a three foot by three foot box it, yeah it's not more like I, it, it weighs 150 pounds yeah. 200 pounds mitch it's and insane. i have to like squat that big boy yeah. up into it's into, hefty into papa <laughs> sullivan's hefty. car and it'll be it'll be clothes it'll be luxury goods uh to some extent that are more expensive in the Philippines than they're in America. It'll be a ton of canned foods. It'll be, I remember one time I gave, I had two skateboards. This is a long time ago. I haven't had a skateboard in a minute, but I gave two skateboards to the box so that they could send it home for a couple of the young nephews in the family so that they could, they could skateboard a little bit, rip some fucking sick kick flips. Yeah, yeah, shred it, baby. Uh, hey, that's that's perfect for this conversation this weekend because we've yeah. got the Des Moines Skate Park has opened up the biggest skate park in the country. Sorry to interject, but so proud to be a Des Moinesian and have that experience. So 
What about like being in Hong Kong? Because I want to hear some. Because have yeah. you been there with your sister? You're so close yeah. for your a sister. longer for a longer visit. Yeah, yeah. longer yeah. visit. Your dad. So, so. You, is the Philippines con- considered longer travel then from Des Moines to the Philippines than yeah. Hong Kong? So so the Philippines are considerably further south from Hong Kong. So like, if we were flying to Hong Kong, it would be like a from O'Hare maybe a fourteen or fifteen hour flight. I can't remember. And then from 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 there, maybe even if you're connecting into Tokyo to the Philippines, it's like another like five or six hours, maybe I can't remember. It was it felt like a long time. So it's definitely a it's way further south. But I flew to Hong Kong a lot more because my dad lived there uh, for a few years, two years maybe. He was a big businessman. Yeah, big old traveling businessman. Yeah. So what about what about like the shops? What about the bars? What about the culture? Come on, I want to Hong hear Kong, the culture. Hong Kong is crazy. Hong Kong, I will also state up front. I'm massively biased about. It. I love Hong Kong, and I made some very good friends there who we've stayed in touch with ever since. And Hong Kong is one of my favorite places on earth. But it is a very unique mix of chinese culture and western culture because it was controlled by great britain for for sure forever one of many yeah one of many areas in the world yeah how about that during this i can think of another place that was controlled by great britain for a little while and then we shot our way out of it but like fuck you i want to hear give me give me (laughs) mitch give me one of those experiences where you had like a night out with your sister or maybe even your dad or like whatever i want to hear like about the bar scene or about the city i'll tell you about the first time that i flew into hong kong landed in hong kong drove to his apartment building did an immediate turnaround and went out to a pub that was like just blatantly english it was like an english <laughs> pub in china for like expats do you to, think, yeah because kind of? yeah. it's a big big market yeah. the expat community in hong kong is off the charts it's huge yeah massive amounts of british citizens massive amounts of american citizens we we drive to this and by drive i mean we either picked up a taxi or maybe we even took a uh some cart, some trains like a... definitely didn't take a cart oh, you never right. took a car <laughs> uh no not to say that those don't exist but hong kong is is super mountainous and islandy so it's not like on mainland china there's going to be more cart bicyclists but in hong kong it is really predominantly taxi or sort of subway or train driven any kind of like video or anything i've seen of hong kong like the deep depths of the city or like maybe it might be a mainland china city where it's just like everyone's like going where they need to go and it's almost like they know exactly the cadence they need to go at without hurting each other <laughs> then they still hurt each other there's uh that's that's a whole other thing and quickly i'll 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 get to that in a moment but so my first night in Hong Kong, we go to this pub and I meet up with my dad's two, I'll say, best friends from Hong Kong, Doug and Kathy. Big shout out. I love you guys. We meet up with Doug and Kathy, my dad's two best friends from Hong Kong. And at the time, Doug's a Scottish gentleman who had moved also similar to my dad, uh, moved to Hong Kong for work. And Kathy was a Hong Kong native who ran a restaurant in Hong Kong. We show up to 
this pub. We're drinking. I'm also, yeah, I'm like 17 or 18. So, what? Like, yeah. <gasps> Previously in America, I had been drinking illegally. Oh, my God. Hong Kong, and they're just like, oh, this kid can drink here. He's yeah, barely yeah. legal age. So, so how, how old were in you? A bar, like, I was probably I was 17 or 18 wow. years old. I was probably 18 years old. I don't remember. Um, but that's illegal. Just here. drinking in a bar with adults, feeling <laughs> so grown up. <laughs> and well, you're a big boy now. <laughs> I'm kicking it off, like hitting it off hard with his friends. Aww. And then at some point, Doug gets up, goes to the bathroom to take a piss. And as soon as Doug has left the room, Kathy turned to my dad and I and just said, do you understand a word he's saying? Because Doug speaks with a very thick Scottish accent. And she had just been hanging out with them for I don't even know how long, not understanding anything he says, hang out with us for the whole night. She speaks very good English, but at this time, you know, she's speaking English like she learned it and this dude is just like the thickest Scottish accent you can imagine. <laughs> so she's just like, do you understand a word he's saying? And we cracked up laughing. Uh, and long story short, they're married now. So Nice. It was love at, at first. Some, at some point she figured out the Scottish accent. And not to not to get too far off subject, but recently my dad just sent me this email with a video of Doug doing a commercial for i can't even remember was some product that was a was a product from england and (laughs) doug did the whole commercial and the voiceover himself in cantonese whoa and i was just like oh did he have an accent when he did it that so in my head i was just like that cantonese sounds pretty good and my dad then told me the story Whoever contacted, someone knew Kathy and knew that she had a husband from the British Isles and was just like, well, could he do this commercial for us? And she was just like, yeah, but like his Cantonese, he speaks with a thick Scottish accent. But then kind of the joke is that in Cantonese and Mandarin, they, you can't, you can't intone an accent. All that they yeah. can tell is that it's not native speak oh, to, to a good extent. There's not if if you speak if you're Russian and you speak Mandarin or Cantonese or if you're English or Italian or from any country in the world, you either speak really perfect Mandarin or Cantonese, or they can tell that it's uh, qu- oh. not quite off, but they can't tell where hmm. you're from. So weird. That's kind of a weird. I've got a, uh, yeah. Now I've got a video of Doug doing this this Cantonese. Uh, video and it is to to my ear it's just like well he sounds like he's speaking Cantonese but to a Cantonese speaker they'd be like well I he sounds foreign I don't know yeah some kind of foreign but yeah so that was my that was my first tr- that was my first night in Hong Kong was meeting these two getting pretty fucking drunk in a for bar. a very youngster you yeah. know at this point you've had experience with alcohol but I had been drinking illegally minimally in the well I didn't get drunk. But the furthest away from home that I've ever been was Japan. Wow, yeah. And um, the furthest away from home that I've ever been is Japan. And I was fortunate enough to have Grandpa Hagen's rest in peace, who was very obsessed with Japanese culture. And so ever since I was little, 
I've been exposed to Japanese culture at every turn. He actually practiced traditional Japanese tea ceremony. He belonged to the Japanese American Society here in Des Moines. Of Des Moines. In, uh, yeah. He has his own tea house here. He built his own tea house in Indiana. From the ground up by himself. He was very into this, right? So he wanted me, and which is great. He wanted me to be exposed to culture as well. He exposed me to many things. One of those things was that when there was a foreign exchange program in middle school, he wanted to make sure that I could be a part of that. So he helped to finance me being able to go do that. And it was only for two weeks. But it was still an awesome experience, obviously, being a middle schooler and getting to go stay with a literal Japanese family and just be there. And we went on like field trips every day. There was like two days out of the week. Like I think on the weekends we stayed with the family and we just did whatever the family wanted. But the rest of the time, it was basically like getting up and you would go to school. But you you with other like American kids from across the country? No, from Des Moines. Oh, that's so cool. So did you go with like friends that you still would like may not be uh, friends with? No, now, like, I mean, you, I wouldn't say know. I don't know any of them. I ended up being in Japanese class at Central Academy downtown with a couple of them just because obviously sure. similar interests. Of course, you're going to take the language if you can, but not necessarily. Honestly, the only person. Well, I, I mean, Colin Neiswanger didn't go. Colin Neiswanger didn't go to uh Japan with me, but he was in my Japanese class. So no, anyway. Uh, so every day we would go on like a field trip, like an, it was educational, like pleasurable, like whatever, but your host family would drop you off at this area downtown, like a central area. It must've been, uh, maybe for language learning. I'm not even sure. And we would all be dropped off there. And then we would do some type of historical or like educational or like go to the shops thing each day and then two days out of the week you would get to stay with your family and do whatever but basically i stayed with this host family and i for those of you who don't know part of the reason why this program even exists is because des moines is actually sister cities with kofu because during kofu experienced and other parts of japan experienced a terrible tsunami and I'm sorry, I don't know the year, 19, it could have been 87, I really don't know. They experienced a terrible tsunami, and uh, Iowa actually sent them pork and corn. Whoa, and so that. that's why we're sister cities, and that's why downtown there's a gong. There's like a bell that came from Kofu. They sent it to us as a gift, as a thank you, and we're sister cities. So that's why this exchange program exists between Kofu and Des Moines. That's brilliant. I love that. Whoever like help help facilitate like that whole relation, the governor or whoever. Yeah, that's they so did. And we, cool. and we actually met the. And I'm sorry, I don't know the or a title. You know, I was in middle school and I don't remember. But the minister, we actually like got to like meet the minister of Kofu or whatever. You know, and just like an, that's a part of the exchange program among all the other cool things that we got to do. So, but as a middle schooler, it's like, damn, I wish I could. I'm so happy for the experience but i wish i could go back now yeah. because i was just a middle schooler As like what, adult, what, the, yeah. what the heck did i know you know like I a little just... bit more frame of reference to right re-experience yeah. well, that, you know that's normal exactly. that's a normal like lust for you know yeah but i'm so grateful and actually my host family he was a calligraphy teacher so he they actually had two homes kind of they had the family home And then they had an attached home where we stayed, which you went up the stairs into like this guest house kind of area. And that's where we stayed. But below the guest house was his 
studio where the kids would come after school. So all the kids would ride their bike after school, like to the calligraphy studio, because that's what you had to do after school. Like probably if you had enough money to pay, you know, for that, if you had enough money to pay for the extra education, then you would come and practice calligraphy after school. After school, please go to school. <laughs> you know, That's kind of the Japanese way. It's like you're constantly learning. And I remember waking up in the morning for breakfast and uh, the siblings would sometimes be passed out at the dining room table, which was sit, <laughs> sit on the ground. You know, they it was a sit on the ground traditional home. So I would like come in for breakfast and like they're just like passed out because this is just their culture. Like you just study forever. Like you just study <laughs> like until you are tired. And I've seen an anime or two from Japan and, you know, all they do is study and fight demons. So, well, yeah. <laughs> And I'm, you know, some of the stereotypes are true. And unfortunately that, you know, that's a, that's a part of the toxic culture of the toxic uh, Japanese culture. There's so many beautiful parts about it, but there are so many parts that also lead to extreme burnout and people literally dying from being overworked and being extremely depressed. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. But there's a lot of beautiful parts as well. Yeah, yeah. So Japan is on my number one list, except for Belgium, when we'll get into that. Number one list of places I want to visit because of my ties to video games, my ties to anime, my ties to just their culture. I just really am infatuated with how they treat people, how they treat any single person. Not that like the U.S. is awful in some places, in some ways they are, but I just am very infatuated with that whole entire country. And I, I want to go to Tokyo. I want to go to a whole bunch of different places, a plethora of places. I want to go like experience, like get deep in the culture. But for me, it's such an interesting place because it is an Island that it's like crash landing on an alien planet. Almost, you know, like of course any going any to any foreign country is going to be strange, but it's extra strange because it's an Island and they have just their own little thing going on there. So. Yeah. I'm very happy that you two have gone pretty far from the U.S. And personally, myself, I have not gone very far at all. The farthest I've gone, which it, you could probably do some simple math ho at home, listeners, but I've been to Puerto Rico, which is still a U.S. territory, and I've been to Montreal, Quebec. So I'll get into Puerto Rico, which is basically that was like the most beautiful place I had been at that time, right? We're going for New Year's Eve. We're going to experience the culture. We have a an Airbnb penthouse right off the beach. It's still one of my favorite trips I've ever had. And I mean, if I think about it, if I really like get down to it, I think Hawaii might be even farther, right? Definitely. Yeah. So like the farthest place I've been is Hawaii, which is, you know, that's the best, but yeah. Still so, a U.S. state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to eventually, we're, we're hoping next year to go to Belgium to see our friends, Madison and Claymont, and it would be so great to be out there next year and i can't wait to tell you all about that experience but for puerto rico it was such a wonderful experience there's a lot of english speaking but there is a lot of just native speaking spanish speaking people right like yeah had, basically ooh. honestly thank goodness for becca because although some people do know you know some basic english we needed a Spanish speaking speaking person. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Like we needed, you definitely, you can get by with English, but you need to probably know a little bit of Spanish. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, thankful we had Becca for, for those Ubers, those tough Uber trips or whatever. It really worked out to our favor to have Becca to like finish that like 
initial communication. But to get into the culture, they had such an amazing like party scene. They had like, it, but it wasn't like you know like uh, college town. No, it was more like you could get a cubano at the sandwich shop down the street, and then you go back to the or go to the beach. You're gonna go get a cubano. Go back to the beach, and then you would already have a cooler full of or a bag full of gasolina. And what gasolina is, it is a like almost like a Capri Sun, like sh- like alcoholic rum drink that you would like freeze. You keep it in your Airbnb freezer, and then you just like jump in a straw, and then you just be going to town on it. And as the sun baked down on you on the beautiful sands of Puerto Rico, you're experiencing the ocean. For me, the second time, but really felt like the first real experience because Lake Tahoe didn't really count. It was so chilly out there in June, and Lake Tahoe so so high up elevation-wise. But yeah, it was so perfect gosh you're just baking in the sun you're catching some vitamin d and you're experiencing you're you're enjoying some drinks with your friends and then we go out like a couple nights like we went out and got to the town you know we went to san juan for a day trip and you're really getting into that culture you're doing a tour of the san juan what was that like the san juan prison yeah, I'm just blanking on the name. It, uh, it used to be a Spanish colony. colony. So there, there was a, a fort there with lots of pirate right. lore, you know, because so part prison, of the reason why the they... the wrong way to put it. No, no, no. It was like a fort. It was yeah, a military yeah, yeah. fort built by the Spaniards because to, to ward off <laughs> pirates, basically. I mean, everyone knows Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, that's a real thing. Like, the pirates love to attack little islands in the Caribbean so the food there was fantastic the the people were always so happy to see a U.S. tourist and because we're you know we're financing that their tourist economy really well and we had such good time one of my favorite bars that we went to was like midday I think it was either before or after the San Juan trip and it doesn't matter at this point but it was like an open air before we had open air bars remember you know COVID out now everyone has those garage door open air bars before we had those open air bars like everyone in des moines has those garage door open air bars there was this open air bar that had kitties it was just like cats it was just like stray cats would just hang out on the bar and they would make like the best mojitos and once this is this is something i just learned it was called like, maryland's maryland oh, maryland's maryland like she Monroe. had yeah she yeah. had photos of Marilyn Monroe all over the bar. And yeah, it's thank Marilyn's. you. You're right. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe is plastered everywhere. And it, this is the first time I ever heard about this. And we had a great discussion last week when we were at uh, Bellhop in Des Moines. But it's the mojito effect. So what that is, is when one person orders a mojito at a bar and they see like the <laughs> intricacies of the building a mojito and the, the fresh mint getting grounded into the drink and everyone's just like, whoa, what's that? And then you have the pure sugar going into the drink, the amazing ice cubes. And then all of a sudden you get your one $11 mojito and it's the best thing you ever had. Like literally, that's like one of the best drinks I've ever had is that mojito at Maryland's in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And then everyone in my friend group Everyone in the bar is ordering a freaking mojito. That's the mojito effect into full effect. (laughs) It's so funny because last week we were at Bellhop and we were discussing the mojito effect. And then it happened again. Me and... And Andrew order a mojito, I believe. And then it turns out like everyone starts ordering it. And then the bartender's talking about the mojito effect. And it was just <laughs> a great so refreshing. reminder. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. is like one of the most refreshing drinks ever yeah. made. 
So then the bellhop bartender last week, just to bring it back to Des Moines for a second, the bellhop, bellhop bartender was talking about how they go through 20 pounds of mint a week. Uh, it might have been a month. Either uh, way, that's a lot of mint. Damn. Yeah. That was the farthest I've ever been. And you guys told me, uh, told us, uh, the listeners playing at home, about some far trips you went on. Now let's get into those road trips as kids. Road trips with your family. Road trips somewhere. It didn't have to be a long trip. Didn't have to be a big vacation in the summer. It could have been a weekend trip. Anything that comes to mind. Lydia, I want to toss it to you first. Well, firstly, I would just like to honorable mention to Mexico because after I went to, as a teenager, I was 18. And right after high school, I went to Mexico, Isla Mujeres, with my mom, Becca, and Madison, friends of the show. And my mom was like, what the fuck is going on? So is the drinking at 18? Yeah. So you've got three 18-year-olds who are just having the time of their lives because we can just order whatever we want whenever we want who yeah. are, who are the other chaperones my mom may? just only your mom no Becca, yes no jackie max no, no. my mom wanted to go so the chadwicks our family friends had been to isla Mahadas with their friends or with their uh children i mean they went on like a family trip the year before and this is before airbnb and so forth so they were like, we had a great time. We stayed at blah, blah, blah's apartment. And so my mom was like, that sounds great. After Lydia graduates, like maybe that'd be a cool thing. Summer vacation also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, also a cool thing to do with Lydia when she graduates. And of course she wanted me to bring a few friends. So I had a good time. And so Madison, Becca, and I all just went. It's a, a little island, for those who don't know, off the coast of Cancun. And so it's very small and we're safe. Like there's no, there's not really any leaving the only leaving is happening on like a public trolley, I guess you'd call it. Sure. I don't know what you'd call it. That goes to and from Cancun. Okay. So it's kind of safe, you know, relative to Mexico. It's not like anyone is going to take off with your I daughter. I think that like, <laughs> let me interrupt you and interject real quick. But I think that there's a lot of like vitriol and, and thinking that there's a lot of like, it's so unsafe in Mexico. No, in the yeah. tourist cities, it is safe. It's when you get outside those tourist cities that maybe something. Right. If you don't know what you're doing, yeah, yeah it could be unsafe. But it was safe for that time period. Becca and Madison's parents were like, hell yeah, go on, go have fun. And then my poor mom is left to like chaperone our three drunk asses who were back at the apartment. Throw- that was just like our ritual. We'd just come back, throw up, go to sleep, wake up, oh do the my. same thing. You know what I mean? Because we were having the best time of our lives for the first time ever being able just to <laughs> freely drink. And there were people from all over the world there. We'd never, right, right. We'd never been exposed to that type of culture before because there was a hostel right down the street from where we were staying. And there were people from all over the world, probably several years older than us, uh, but just people that we were hanging out with all evening and just having a really good time. You know, like from so you my guys memory, met like some, a group of guys that you, right? Like a group of like young, no, different guys every night. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not like that because we were staying with my mom, but I just mean like, yeah, we were being able to talk. You know, people wanted to flirt with you and stuff. Oh, a couple of American, young American girls. Like we had a good time, and it was. It was good to be exposed to these people who, for the most part, were traveling the world. These people from like Australia, Belgium, Europe, you know, other places in Europe, and they were traveling several years older than us out of college or right out of high school because they didn't know what they wanted to do. And that was just a part of their culture. And it was okay for you to, instead of going straight into school or whatever, you would go travel. 
instead. Right. So after meeting them, I was like, I'm about to go into college. Why? I could just be doing this. This looks like so much fun. That's a great like family like friendship, but also your mother. Like kudos to her. No, for, she did a great job. Yeah. I just kind of feel Big bad. Big ups to Cindy. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Poor thing. She was probably worried to death. She, she Every said night. before, worried to death because she's responsible over here for Madison and Becca. I, mean, I, and- I vaguely recall Madison telling me about the trip afterwards. And I was just like, oh, my God. I, this is me finding Dying out that Cindy also poisoning. had to be the only adult in <laughs> in in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, we survived and it was a beautiful experience because it was very lax and that the dangerous the dangers of the trip were very but it was like a coming of age kind of a trip where we just kind of got to be let loose. Was it loose. right after like, you graduated? Yeah. Then? Okay. We're like we're let loose. We just kind of get to do whatever we want, but we're in a different culture meeting all these people from all over, but in a somewhat controlled environment if that makes sense. So sure. it was like it was a really beautiful experience actually that I really That's awesome. Thanks for grateful sharing that. that we had. Let's bring it back though. Like I said, that family trip, let's bring it towards that moment. And I guess I'll go ahead and start off and share. A lot of my family trips were not very memorable or like in a good sense. And that, that doesn't mean like a, in a negative way. I just mean like it was more like we would travel to Omaha and go to the Omaha Zoo, which was really fun. Or we'd drive out to see my family here there in Denver. One of the times I really remember going out to Denver, I believe was for one of my nan, my nanas, my mom's mom's mom, actually, it was my great nana, her birthday, and we drove out there, I'm playing Game Boy, I'm playing Pokemon, like, gold and silver at the time, like, nonstop, and Pokemon trading card game, and my dad and my mom were all driving a conversion van, which is really awesome, it was like, it could seat, like, two in the front, two in the uh, middle, and then three in the back, and I think it might have even had, like, two more seats in the other, in the back of that, and we're just driving through the mountains, and I'm like such a snobby little gamer dork kid, and I'm just playing Pokemon trading card game on my Game Boy Color, <laughs> and my dad's like, look at the mountains, Sean, pay attention to the mountains. Of course, now I would be like, put your phone down, Sean, put your Game Boy down, and Pay attention to like what you're seeing. It was so it was obviously beautiful. And I remember like being like, I'm out of batteries. And I'd be like, Dad, we had to stop at the gas station and get batteries. Like, nope. <laughs> and so I just put my Game Boy down that I took it in. It was just like, whoa. Like coming from a flat plain state, some hills, but mainly flat plain like Iowa, and seeing those mountains for the first time, really taking it in, you know, that was really impactful for me. And then like you're driving. It was tre- It felt treacherous. You know, we're talking two, three row, like ro- laned areas going through the mountains. You know, together as a family, it was really awesome. Uh, so then we got to spend a lot of time in one of the suburbs of Denver with my nana, my actual grandma, and then her husband uh, Carol. And we got to just hang out in their backyard, and we got to hang out with my uh, Down syndrome uncle Alfie and we got to play like it was just really like one of those like moments where you just really remember every intricate moment where uh, we were playing putt putt golf with my down syndrome uncle Alfie and he's just having like so much fun because he, he doesn't have anybody like his close to his age he's got 60 year olds 50 60 year olds he's 30 you know 20 30 at the time I'm like 12 and he's just having so much fun hanging out with some people like that and yeah, it was just a really fun road trip where we got to go sometimes like 
it was a really fun road trip, and one of the best moments about it is we went to a mom and pop video game stop on the way <laughs> two days out of town. Aww. Like we're about to leave out of town. It's close to my birthday. We're we're talking like early to mid August. We're about to leave out of town, and this is like year like two thousand two or three at this point. And we go to this mom and pop shop. And my dad's like, "Hey, your birthday is next week. What do you want?" And I'm just like, at the time, I had an N64, a PlayStation Two. But I want that. But I want that Dreamcast. (laughs) So my dad buys me a used Dreamcast, Pen Pen Triathlon, Crazy Taxi, Rayman, all these awesome games. We're having like the time of our life. The whole ride home, my mom is like driving through the night. My mom was such a champ. She just like Electric Forest. We drive through the night. My mom would just like tough it out. And then we would just be playing Dreamcast, all my sisters and I, because my ba- my dad bought us like three controllers and it was so fun because the conversion van had one of those VHS TVs that you could hook up the Ooh. red, yeah, the, R- the red, bougie. yellow, bougie. Yeah, it was tight. Yeah. So that was one of those fun <laughs> trips growing up. So Mitch, can you tell me like a fun road trip or fun time flying with your family growing up to somewhere new that like really was so awesome? You got to like dive into like the area, the city, the geography, the culture. I had two sort of recurring road trips that became like cultural experiences for my family. And one of them, I grew up in Chicagoland primarily. And my mom's parents were in Minneapolis. So we would drive from Chicago to Minneapolis. What's what's the what's the like hours? I've never even thought about that trip. From from Chicago to Minneapolis is I don't know, maybe six hours. I was a kid, I wasn't driving. That's my guess. Um, but we had a minivan and my parents would just take out like the back seats, so it was just the front seats and then a big play area for me and my sister to chill in basically for the drive and we'd have like you know etch a sketches and whatever dolls and action yeah 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 we wanted to play game boys and we would like yeah we would have the this is just like family like we had songs that my parents taught us it was just like when when we'd be acting up a little bit too much they'd just be like all right let's just start singing one of these songs that'll get these kids entertained so we had just this experience of like a couple times a year making this six hour trip to uh to minneapolis and being super hyped for it and having our own little play area yeah. in the back but then the probably the the bigger trip that we made in our childhood was that we had these these family friends you met colin my my good friend who yeah. I, i've known since i was a baby i met him at my bachelor party yep. right yep. okay cool he still lives in illinois and uh we would go with their family up into Wisconsin for these camping trips once a summer at some point. I can't remember how old we were when we started these, but we would make, it was a big, it was a much longer car ride, just probably like eight hours or nine hours. And we would go way up into Northern Wisconsin for these camping trips. And that was, that was like a, it was a, it was such a bigger experience. Cause it was like, we're on the road with these other people that are in their van and we're in our car and caravanning like, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're bombing down the road together and then we would stop somewhere in wisconsin i can't remember what they might have been geneva lake geneva in wisconsin i think wow. and we we had like the restaurant that we would hit up on the road trip oh. every time eat this big we you know we'd hit the road yeah super early similar to living leaving for a festival we'd hit the road super early and then yeah. we'd, we'd get into mid wisconsin wherever lake geneva is forgive me for not remembering 
we would then eat like a late breakfast there, big blowout breakfast. I'd just slam a cinnamon roll as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I know so, that. So, so sugar high after that. And then we would go. A donut and a piece of pizza from Casey's is the equivalent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then we would go the rest of the way up in there, and then we would get there, and we, we'd bring our bikes, we'd have our camping equipment, and we'd camp for like a week. And the uh, it was probably a state park that we were camping in, and just like, it's just like, it, but it wasn't just the destination. It was like the journey was a huge part of the trip for us kids, especially second, because we were second. so hyped. In Minneapolis, right? A state park in Minneapolis. No, it was in Wisconsin. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so start with camping trip. Uh, start with what you just said right before this. Yeah, so we, we would we we would just bomb our way up for eight or nine hours into <laughs> into Wisconsin, and s- stop at our destination, and then set up our campground, and then it was just yeah. like playground for a week. Yeah, it was, it was so epic as That's a child. So, dope. We so what did lake. you guys have? Like, think about like now we have canopies, we have tents. What did you guys have to like make that place home? We were. We were at the time, especially balling out in terms of car camping. Cool. We were, you know, we were packing up all of our gear. So we had big ass tents. We had some some gear, yeah, like a, a canopy to set okay. up over our, our eating area. And then we would, yeah, we brought up bikes and a bunch of swimming and fishing gear and stuff. And we were on Lake uh, Michigan, I think. Damn, I need a map. But yeah, we would just so you just say it like you know it sorry so we would just camp our asses off for a week every day we would go on a big biking trip you guys were on lake michigan yeah we were on lake michigan we would go swimming in the lake we would i mean as as kids we would just i remember (laughs) there's like tons of driftwood like logs up on the beach and we would Mm -hmm. just we would just grab a bunch of them and then swim out with them (laughs) And then just be like, yeah, this is like, we're building a raft. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not building a raft. We're just dragging some driftwood Aww, 30 feet out from, so the, from the shoreline. That's so cute. I love it. Very pure. Yeah, it was, but it, I mean, like, it was the most memorable, probably, camping trips. Can you recall, like, the, the year, how old you were, any any of those details? Uh, we, we probably started this when I was in, like, late elementary school and then continued into middle school so okay. yeah maybe from like 11 eight 12 to 13 8 to like 12 maybe okay yeah. cool hell yeah regular how about you Liz? do you have any like those travels as like a family road trips to chicago road trips anywhere or like camping i love that you brought well, up camping yeah, as, Mitch. A kid, as a kid camping was bread and butter like we were always camping so that was that was our little trip like we would always take trips with for those who don't know, our family, basically what I call my cousins, the Chadwicks and the Moors, who are still very close to us to this day. Like even Sean and I, when we first met, we lived with Evan, my quote cousin, Evan Chadwick, and we've always remained close. And coming up, like growing up, we that was constant. Every Memorial Day or at least once or twice a summer or that was like our little way of getting away was just going to cool places around Iowa, whatever our parents picked, you know, sometimes even just the ledges or whatever, just a wonderful, a wonderful trip. And that just so solidly sits in my memories as just the most beautiful of times, because as a kid, that's the coolest fucking thing that you can do. I'm out at a campsite, 
playing around with fire, running around in, in the woods like wild <laughs> children with my cousins. Like, what more do you want? Like, as a kid, like that is the most beautiful thing on the planet is being wild in the woods with a couple of your best childhood friends. And so to this day, you know, camping is super important to me. We, we always try to get out and camp. It's just a way to, for me, it's a way to just be free. You can do whatever you want. You're kind of with your friends, whatever, crack a beer at 8 a.m., whatever, you know, now as an adult, it's like, whatever, it's carefree, it's beautiful. It's, you're in this little universe for a couple nights where you can just do whatever you want. And so that was a really big part of growing up. But as far as actual road trips, I have family in the suburbs of Chicago. So going to Chicago was a huge part of my childhood, at least a couple times a year, at least. Going to visit my aunt and just being with my aunts and uncles there in Chicago in the suburbs, but sometimes we'd go into the city to do things to entertain me mainly. A lot of times, like the thing I got to do, my aunt would always love to take me to like a big arcade, like a multi, one time we went to this like multi-story love it, love it. arcade and just let Lydia, I mean, they were having fun too, but like I was the only child that's just like, <laughs> let Lydia loose like on this arcade. And you know, you're being spoiled by your aunts and uncles. It's just like, here's some more coins. Here's some more coins. <laughs> like whatever. That was just, I don't know. That was just a big part of my childhood was getting to visit them and having those memories with them. And there was this really cool place, and I don't know if it's still there, but it was like a Disney-affiliated thing in downtown Chicago. It was like Discovery Disney or something. And it wasn't obviously a Disney theme park because obviously the, the space, but it was like a multi-story place where you could go in and do these like virtual things. And they had this like virtual roller coaster and they had this like build your own Disney action figure and it was weird, but it was like a Disney place wow. in Chicago. And I remember going there and just having the time of my life, like all day. Just a lot of my childhood memories, like my best memories are there at my aunt's house. That, and it, because we just so many different things that we used to do. Like that, You really just sparked my memory. And that's what I love about the podcast, the conversational podcast, is that one of my favorite trips actually growing up was my dad used to have like an office out in, he worked out in Kansas City for a while. So we lived out in Kansas City for like three or six months. He was building up an, a telemarketing office. And of course, as a kid, it's like, that's so boring. You're just talking on the phone all day, dad. But on the weekends, we he was like put up in a nice penthouse. And it was like super cool. It was like me and like my Chantel. And I don't even think Shy was born yet. It was like, I was four or five years old, right? She might've been just being born. But Long story short, it was so neat because we would go to Discovery Zone every weekend for like a whole Discovery summer zone. zone. Forget yeah. about it. Yeah. Once you get Discovery Zone, shit's wild. It's almost like a Chuck E. Cheese on crack. It was so epic. Had the best ball pit, the best slides, those roller slides where you can get your fingers caught. If you Ooh, didn't put them on your... Like, not yeah. careful. You might, yeah, lose a whole hand. Yeah, yeah. But then they had great prizes. I remember being like, I want that Super Nintendo. I already have the Super Nintendo, but I want... a hundred win one. Yeah, 130,000 30, tickets. I can win another Super Nintendo. It was so good. Yeah. So, guys, we've talked about the farthest we traveled. You know, this is a travel podcast. We've talked about the those fun road trips. I love that you brought toward, like, the camping, Mitch. And then, Lydia, you had such fun, like, with the camping stuff. It was, like, quintessential you growing up. I really didn't have much of that. So, let's get into more of, like, 
our last topic of this one. We can always do a part two, everybody. You know, listeners playing at home. There's so many places we've traveled. I'd love to hear from your favorite places you traveled. So again, hit us up at Sean and Lydia HH on Twitter and Instagram or Sean and Lydia at gmail.com and share your favorites. Or if you know us personally, just please text us anything you want uh, that you've been because I'd love to hear from you. So let's talk though about like those first adult travel trips and it doesn't, we, we, we want to make a point again. I said this top of the show, we want to make a point not to talk about places where we went, where it was like, okay, music festival. So I'll go ahead and kick it off and start with, of course we went there for a music festival, but it was so impactful for me to see this scene, to see this place, to be there for the first time. And that is new Orleans, Louisiana, NOLA. We went there for voodoo on Halloween. So you know the vibes are vibrant. Everyone's <laughs> going there getting dressed up. It's yeah, the almost... vibes are already always right in that city. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> They're there to party, most people. So. We would go, we would we would take a Uber down to Bourbon Street and we would just walk down Bourbon Street and any place that looked like it was fire or hot, we just walk in. We just have a, such a great time. A couple of like a couple places I want to talk about, I know I'm going to kick it back to you, Lid, after this, because you were on the same trip, of course, uh, is Mama something's, like, I forget her name, but it was, like, it was, like, a voodoo witch house bar, and it had, like, this black, like, black, I don't think it was black velvet, it was, like, a mixed slushy They did, drink. like, a slushy, and Daniel Turner told us that it's the oldest bar on Bourbon Street. Right. I don't know about New Orleans, but it's the oldest, and you can tell because it's, like, all rock and you can just see like the worn down like it's just been there forever Ev, so apparently we're talking that's 100 the oldest bar you know on bourbon street they or had whatever. like spider webs everywhere they had all decor <laughs> to make it out. extra creepy for halloween yeah yeah yeah, but yeah just the vibes are cool and they're they're right you know right up our alley like we, we got- love halloween you know, we love to party, obviously. So. Yeah. We got there when it was dark, and it was completely dark, dingy. Everything was lit by a candle. Like, it was <laughs> so cool. And it was, like, one of those moments where, like, wow, am I really in this, like, place, this culture, this bar? And other places in New Orleans and Lid, I want to kick it to you right after this, though, is we go to a restaurant. They'd have, like, things you – I like, I, this is, sounds obvious when you hear it, but it was, like, crocodile. It was a crocodile bits where you would normally see cheese curds here in, in the Midwest, right? <laughs> and it was just so epic and, like, such good catfish, like, gumbo, catfish – like all these great dishes. Oh, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And like the history behind New Orleans. Uh, so two more tidbits, real quick. We I flew in a day, a day and a half, or a day before Lydia at night uh, with Madison and Clem, friends of the show, and then Daniel Turner met up with us, and we stayed at a hostel. My first time ever staying at a hostel, shared living space, cheap, very cheap. It was like ninety dollars, eighty bucks each and you had your own room of course bunk beds and everything but you had like your own like breakfast nook and you can make your own breakfast in the morning you like talk with like the travelers or the locals that were staying there it was called like the artist nook or something like that and it was so neat to like experience that it was almost like it's very european like uh, a hostel is pretty european but it was like i got to experience that in the french quarters then we got to get a bike ride day tour with madison's cousin for like practically free i think i gave him like 40 bucks as a tip you know like he because he he worked as like a tour guide manager for this tour 
company. Damn, I didn't know this at all. Yeah. That's crazy. So me, Madison, Clem, and Daniel, we got to ride like bikes that were motor powered. So like if I was getting tired, which of course I never was, but if I was getting tired, I could pull back. <laughs> I could pull back on that motor. And like there's moments. Oh my God. They had great. So if you think of Des Moines, like, you know, Des Moines gets rated as like one of the worst biking cities for a good reason. Like Not we, no more. Well, we've been doing better. We've been doing better thanks to the Frank Frank County, the mayor of Des Moines. But we would, I would be like freaking out. Like, you know, I'm sober. We're not drinking. This is not like a party situation. This is like 11 a.m. And I'm just like freaking out because I'm like, I can't control this bike because it's like motor, like almost like a, like a moped. And, it, <laughs> and we're in the busiest areas of the day. It's like, we're talking like a Thursday at noon. Everyone's going to lunch, all the business people are going to lunch and like Clem's like come on you can do this like come on and I'm just like yeah you're right I can do this I can do this but but we get oh my god no but we get like a the the point of my dramatic it was tough I'm 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 an anxious driver I think let alone an anxious biker in a busy 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 city so we get like a the full tour around the French quarters where Hey, when Hurricane Katrina came in, this place was completely underwater. I'm like, wait, this whole, oh yeah, it was, it was at the doorstep. No, like literally 12 feet above me was water. Like I'm six foot, the 18, 20 feet of water. And you could see the water stains still on a whole bunch of the businesses, a whole bunch of the residential homes and everything. It was just like, whoa, like these, like I lived through the flood of 93 here in Des Moines, but I did not. Like, I've never, like, seen it. Like, this community has been rebuilt. This community has come through and re-sprouted some life. They've they've really... (laughs) The tenacity of this community. It was so neat to see firsthand. And then, like I said, the music and, like, just walking down the street, you could hear jazz in every other bar. Live music, jazz. Everyone's just getting down. There's street performers are playing a full band street performer. or Life. Like a, it's life. Yeah. It's, like, invigorated. It's, it's kind of like a cooler Las Vegas. It's alive at all hours of the night and day, and it's really alive with culture. And then I would just also like to say... Remember when Clem was like trying to explain the sightseeing in uh, in New Orleans and he was like and he was trying to mimic. So our friend Clem is French and he was trying to mimic like a white American trying to give the directions around New Orleans. And he's like, oh. If you see over here, there is a building over here. And if you see over here, there is also a building over here. (laughs) Yeah. You sound a little Russian, but yes, that's pretty accurate. It was just such a great experience to see. Like, it's one of the first times in my life where I went, like, outside the Midwest. You know, I traveled so much to Omaha, Minneapolis, Chicago, uh, St. Louis, everywhere, and traveled so much for concerts by road, but my road trip. But I've never gone somewhere where it was, like, so different. They had their own dialect. They had, it was, right. and they, half of them spoke French. And right, they, or they yeah. spoke French English, yeah. and Clem was like having a hard time catching up because he's French. You know, it was it was a little s- bit different. Probably it was awesome. <laughs> I speak French and English, but I don't speak Cajun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Cajun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the Cajun gumbo was so good. Let's end on a high note, guys, because I already spoke toward it, and Lydia already chimed in a little bit on that amazing New Orleans 
travel. So Mitch, I'm going to toss it to you. Can you give me one of those like times it could have been with us, without us, with your family, where you traveled somewhere that was in the U.S. that was just so different, that really like struck a chord with the culture that was so regionally or coastally different than where you've been before? I'm going to give it to San Francisco. I made a trip there shortly after my little sister graduated from the University of Chicago for her undergrad. Dope. And she lived there for a year and I went out to visit her at some point and got to experience. I, I was born out there and I had been there as a kid a few times. So back you were again. born in San Francisco? Yeah, in Palo Alto specifically. Wow. <laughs> So you guys got to go back out there in like, what, 2014, 2015? Yeah, got to go back out in probably 2015. And Elle had a little bit more local knowledge now sure. in San Francisco. She'd been living there for, at that point, the better part of a year, I think. And I got to just crash uh, in her bedroom. She was living with like five or six <laughs> other people in a house that could make comfortably fit like two yeah, or yeah. three people i had to walk through some other poor girl's bedroom to get into her bedroom and her porta potty and they had a porta potty out back no yeah they didn't but it was it was a way different experience a way different way of seeing san francisco where before i because I, I was only there as a baby so my trips back had been exclusively as a tourist and now it's sort of like i had a local guide because ella was she became familiar with uh, the sure. city and was in the brief time she'd been there sort of a local so it was just like i got to see everything in a completely different light and we got to go do a bunch of you know we we went out and did some fun hikes and like mirror woods yeah. and we got to go yeah. to a bunch of the good restaurants and bars she'd picked out they what had you like think about mirror woods can i interject real quick because lydia and i got to go out there when we were out there and it was so insanely beautiful i love mirror woods yeah i've been to One mirror woods favorite, a few like, times and it is the pathways are like built for like three different groups to like go yeah, at the same so, time so the, the pathways yeah. like the, friendly the, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally the bottom of the valley is like gorgeous and you have tons of room but if you hike if you do some of the like the offshoot hikes that you can do they are so incredible they're some of the best hikes i've ever done in my life so like yes the the bottom of that valley through like the opening of mere woods is gorgeous and the trees are stunning and the paths are super wide but as you get up out of the valley onto some of these hiking trails there are way less people you're more you know you just yeah. you're getting to do your own thing yeah. and it is it continues to be super stunningly gorgeous it turns out the west coast like i've never been to the east coast so i'm not going to throw shade that way but the west coast i've been a few times san francisco twice it's so insanely beautiful and that's yeah. on my top of my list to travel which will be our next ending topic is where we want to go northern but, california is is stunningly and, and mid california northern california is stunning yeah. not to talk shade on southern california sure, but sure. the the redwoods are just just there's nothing like them it is yeah. incredible it is an emotional experience just to be among them uh it's, that's so it's cool amazing. you got to be with her right after she like graduated essentially like yeah. from like pre-med or right is that essentially what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. Okay, it was, cool. yeah it was after undergrad so i got to go out there and there was also some show in san francisco i can't remember the name of it but it was i think it was right around halloween that I was there and i arrived there just in time to go to it and it was just a big 
blah sort of one night festival so i got to roll in do that see a bunch of music was it like on the street it was like i can't i i this is terrible but i can't remember where it was but yeah they had blocked off like a huge section in san francisco sure. and, and had all this though. yeah yep outdoors awesome. yep and then got to do that night one and then you know go on do a bunch of hikes went to maybe see like a drag show that was outrageous so awesome. once or twice yeah. uh, the just, gay culture out there in, is vibrant as hell yeah it was LGBT just it was i'd been plus. i'd been to the bay before and this was the first time that i got to experience the culture more as a local because i had l as a guide yeah. to some extent yeah that's that if you're fortunate enough to have someone who is guiding you that is so key if you can get that because we've been we've been fortunate enough to have that at least a couple times and it has been so helpful at least because there's too much to see in any city yeah yeah even in des moines there would be too much to see if you didn't have someone like unless you have a you. brandon paulson who has never been there like who's a, the best tour oh, guide yeah. ever also if you can take a brandon he'll have you he'll have it down <laughs> he'll have an itinerary shout out yeah, Brand- yeah. brandon p shout out brandon paulson he will have an itinerary and he will help you for sure because he definitely did especially like in puerto rico just one thing coming oh, yeah. to mind so for sure if you have someone who's who can get it down or someone who lives in the community that's a huge plus but yeah just to sort of wrap it up this evening obviously travel is a huge privilege and we've been very privileged to even be able to have gone to so many places that we have even even i mean i would recognize myself as being in the middle class and even then i've still been able to go to all these places and there's so many unexplored places to go and we're so fortunate in the modern age to have the internet that will tell me everything and anything that I would need to know at any point and any tell you place. when to travel is cheap. Travel like by flight, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and airplanes, which never used to be a thing, to be able to get someplace in what a day max. Like I think it took me twenty four hours, under tw- just under twenty four hours to get to Japan, and that was the longest flight I've ever been on. So I just mean I hope that if you're out there listening and it, this is your sign. Like, save a little money if you can and get the fuck out there if you can because it's so important to human development. But you can also develop in town. Like, there's a lot of experiences that you can do just locally. And even being so fortunate to live in the United States, you can take a road trip. You don't even have to get on a plane because even just going, even just going several states over, you're in an entirely new culture. So even if your budget is low, like, forget it. Just drive down to wherever. Drive down to the south. You can yeah. drive to Louisiana. You can drive to Texas, and you can experience something totally different. <clears throat> might take even... an extra couple of days of PTO, but you got to do that. Totally. So, so let's end on a high note, which is where we want to go. One one choice, and then let's just give, like, a few, like, you know, bullet points to it. So I'll go ahead and kick it off. I already said earlier Tokyo. I already gave you a little bit of mine. But I want to eventually go to the Pacific Northwest especially like Seattle, Oregon, Eugene, all those areas up in the Northwest because I've seen, I've been really, really keen on anything David Attenborough has been putting forth out there. He's been doing so much great work explaining the world. He's like, you know, and I I really miss Anthony Bourdain, but David Attenborough is a different category of like travel speaking to my soul of how, where, why I need to go some places. And so, yeah, the Pacific Northwest has like a great uh, brewery culture they have a great gaming culture they have a great nerd culture they have a great 
music culture they have just everything that is very very like perfect for our friend group i would love to eventually go to the gorge as a music venue i've been to red rocks multiple times that's my favorite venue of all time and i think the gorge could could put up a fight toward it so i'll pop it over to you right now mitch one place you would love to go to they've never been and give me a couple bullet points as to why like i i've been to europe before my first trip to Europe, I was a high school student. I got to go to Italy primarily. I want to go see way more of Europe. I'd like to see Ireland, Scotland. I'd like to see Germany. I'd like to see the Netherlands. I'd like to see France an awful lot. Let me interrupt you real quick. Isn't Ireland your like heritage, like the motherland for you? Yeah. Aren't you Irish? Last name is Sullivan. Yeah. At least a little That's bit Irish. That's so cool. I love that answer, Mitch, because I would I too want to go see my family out in Norway. I have legit cousins in yeah. Norway. So keep speaking toward that. I love I, that. Thank I, you. I want to see it in in part just because I've heard it's beautiful and yeah, in part because I am aware that my heritage, my ancestry is from Ireland. And I also yeah, German and Irish, so I want to see Germany. I want to see the rest of Europe basically. It's a big continent, sort of. Uh, yeah. not relative to any other continent Love technically, it. but I, I want to see more of the culture in Europe and I want to see more of the topography in Europe more than anything. It's just, it's a gorgeous continent and I want to, Wonderful. I want to see it. Great answer. Thank you, Mitch. Lid, let me toss it to you real quick. What's a place you want to go? couple bullet points of why that you've never been. One right off the cuff. I want to go to the South of France to see Clem's home. And also because it looks absolutely beautiful. And I would love to be like in the area with like Spain and and his home too. So just right off the cuff, cuff, if I have to answer, that's like next on my list. But I mean, the list would go on and on. I just want to see his hometown. It looks like the most beautiful place. Uh, But as Mitch kind of mentioned, like my hair, well, I mean, all of our heritage, a lot of our heritage is Irish, but my dad's family is Irish and my mom's family is a little bit of German, a little bit of French. So really, I mean, just going back, going to Europe would be dope in general. And I've always thought it would be awesome to visit Amsterdam because, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. It right. looks really cool. Great answer, Lid. <laughs> and the reason why I said Pacific Northwest and Tokyo for my two answers like, is because I can't like say the same thing that you're going to say. We're going to go out to see our friends Clément and Madison next year, no matter what. COVID is hopefully passed for now, and I would love to get out there next year and see our beautiful friends out there. And I so, think we will. Traveling nurtures a soul and it is a privilege and we recognize it is a privilege, but we hope that you can invest in yourself and invest in yourself so that you can be a better person and be a more expansive person. So thank you for joining us for Sean and Lydia Happy Hour. Thank you so much for joining us, Mitch Sullivan, as our second guest ever. You mean so much to Lydia and I. It's my pleasure and I love you both also a fair amount. This has been Sean and Lydia Happy Hour. Please connect with us personally or on Sean and Lydia HH on Instagram, Twitter. Please give us more feedback. Please give us more of your thoughts, opinions. Rate, subscribe on your favorite podcast network. Hey, everyone, let's cheers together. Cheers. Cheers, and thanks for spending your life and time with us. That one's empty. Well, then crack another one, brother. This has been Sean and Lydia Happy Hour, and... Cheers, we out. Cheers, we out.